This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Good morning, you're listening to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. Erosion control solutions company Fibromat Burhad hopped onto the leap market in 2019, raising 6.2 million ringgit in its IPO. Four years later, it's now eyeing a promotion to the ACE market. How has the company grown in the interim and what are its future prospects in a rather tepid construction environment? Joining me on the show today to discuss this is Danny Ng, CEO of Fibromat Burhad. Danny, good morning. Welcome to The Breakfast Grill. Good morning, Sazana. I'm so glad to be here. At least one of my mission accomplished. This is only going to be the first of many more interviews on The Breakfast Grill, Danny, I hope. Let us get to know Fibromat. I understand that Fibromat is part of the construction sector. You are in the business of erosion control solutions. Can you walk me through what the role of players like yourself have in these construction projects? Why and when would a contractor or a developer hire your services? Okay, uh, Sazana, uh, I need to make a bit of uh, correction. Okay, uh, we are more into the infrastructure uh, construction uh, rather than, you know, buildings and whatnot. We are specifically in the infrastructure. So, Fibromed, we are the premier provider of bioengineering solutions. So, our tagline, you know, when they talk to our customer, you know, we realize your green intent. Green intent. Oh, uh, you feel now when you talk about ESG, you know, with the climate change, you know, green is something is very sexy. Okay, Fibromed, we are in the area of erosion control, separation, filtration, reinforcement, vegetation, soil retaining, sediment control. So most of our uh, customers are from the, like say the infrastructure contractors, developers, property owners and government agencies like uh, JPS and JKR. Okay, so it's really about things like roadworks, things like other areas that require uh, some sort of manipulation of the ground area. That's kind of the projects that you work in, is it? Yes. First, okay, we are talking about stabilization of the ground because some areas when they build a road, they have soft ground, so we have to uh, so-called rehabilitate the ground. Then the other thing is that on the slope. Because slope is very important because if you don't protect the slope or you don't green the slope, you know, first there'll be railings, then gullies, then eventually there'll be a landslide. Because um, last time we used to, you know, you can see that the, most of the slope, they use uh, grass, you know. So sometimes the contractor will try to dig grasses from other fields and patch it, you know. So basically you are not solving problem. So now what we do here is that we have a... Uh, uh, a better, faster way of uh, greening the slopes like we use a, a mechanical system, hydro seeding, using hydro seeding. So hydro seeding is uh, using, uh, there's a mixture of the seeds, the, you know, uh, what do you call the fertilizer and whatnot to spray. But if we just spray on the slope, you know, because Malaysia, we have a very high intensity of rainfall. Mm. Probably when you do in the morning, afternoon, it rain, everything got washed away. So that's why Fibromat being the pioneer and we dare to say we are the biggest uh, so-called erosion control blanket supplier in this region. 
it's interesting the narrative of your business i suppose the fact that it's very much related to green infrastructure yes. greening the infrastructure process yes. and i think that has quite um it's quite popular uh, at the moment maybe we can talk a little bit about the evolution of fibromet right because you began the company in 1999 yeah. you started off as a manufacturer of yes. these erosion control blankets and provider of hydro seeding services and since then you've expanded your scope to design and installation as well as trading of erosion control products. Could you maybe talk to me about the evolution of this expanded scope? How did that happen over the past two decades? Uh, we, like, uh, like what you say is true, we started in 1999. We took over this company, uh, Fibromat, uh, for 300,000 ringgit. So we are actually a one product manufacturer, meaning we only produce uh, erosion control blanket out of uh, petty straw. And our factory is in uh, Sekinchan, where behind you know the factory you have abundance of uh, uh, you know paddy straw. Where last time you know before we exist, normally you know after harvesting they will discard it. No discard, they burn it. You know, <laughs> so actually they you know create uh, environmental issues. Mm. And also if just leave it, you know, so and this vegetation if you let it. You know, rot, you know, it gives up methane, you know. So this is also affect our environment, okay. The first 15 years is a very, very tough year for us because in Malaysia, unfortunately, if you try to do different things, you meet a lot of obstacles. First, financing. You cannot get finance very hard because when you go to any bank, they don't know how to assess your loan, they will reject your loan. Okay, next, acceptance. Because uh, consultants, government agencies, they always look the other side, which is greener. They, uh, they don't actually support local companies, especially in this kind of uh, uh, special business. Mm. So what makes us grow, okay, is either we pack our bag and call it off or, you know, we persevere. We move ahead. We go against the tide, you know. So I'm so happy. We I have a group of uh, very dedicated staff who has been with us for so many years. We grow from a one product, and we keep on improving, improving, adding until now. What we are a one-stop center that produces most of the erosion control and geosynthetic product in Malaysia, and we are proud to be the the only one in Malaysia. And now. Okay, after passing through the, you know, so-called the tough time, we are blessed with, uh, now, I think, in terms of financing, it's just that, you know, bank, they will not endorse rather than we not on them. We prove to them. And coupled with the, now with the, the climate change and the ESG, so the business grows. So the demand for our product grows in a big way because now most of the, people, they become more proactive rather than reactive. Hmm. Perseverance has led you to this stage yeah. where you're ripe uh, for expansion and attention, essentially. People yeah. finally clue in on yeah. the value of the products that you're making. Yeah. And now they're coming to you rather than yeah. you having to pitch to them. You have been a pure play erosion control specialist, yes. I think, throughout the entire time of yeah. the company in existence. Are you looking to diversify or is this going to be the main focus for Fibromat in the uh, long term? We have been expanding. We have been diversifying. But 
in the context of, you know, like I say, in the bioengineering sphere mm. and also the, the comp uh, compliance to the green infrastructure. So we will expand. We will expand some related to what we are doing. We will not go out of what our core business. And you mentioned this niche that you hold. You're the only producer yes. of uh, what premier bioengineering products in Malaysia. Why? Why is this an untapped market? I suppose for our local producers. Why aren't there more people in this field? Given the abundance of natural resources that we could have, given our economy, is there a reason why this is so unexplored? I think probably ten years ago, okay, when the uh, Malaysian government launched the biomass. Okay, they said the biomass will be the next GDP generator. But in fact, a lot of SME jump into the bandwagon, try to tap on the abundance of biomass. So like us, when we were doing this agricultural substrate, we call agricultural substrate, we use a lot of uh, paddy straw, palm fiber, coconut fiber, where they have abundance. Malaysia is blessed that we have so much of this biomass that, you know, we, it's uh, like a waste to wealth, you know, kind of thing. But again, like I say, like us, we've gone through this so rough patch, so difficult. Mm. And if, let's say, as example, if any SME would try to go in, I think they will face maybe the same or, or not as bad at all, but that actually discourage, mm. discourage more, uh, more companies trying to venture into this. There are some success stories in, uh, in pellets and whatnot using uh, palm fiber or wood pellet, you know, mm. which now the business grow because now pellet is also one of the substitute for renewable energy. Meaning the market is there, but are you willing to take the challenge? Because Malaysia doing business, if you want to go for something different, it's not easy. Mm. There's a sort of disconnect between what's being said and also what's being allowed to be done in the industry in some yes. ways or other. Uh, let's take a look at your LEAP market listing back in 2019. You raised 6.2 million ringgit with the purpose of using this as working capital to secure more contracts, I think. Yes. You wanted to broaden that scope. But the COVID-19 pandemic hit the world less than a year later. Did this derail your plans for the IPO proceeds? Uh, not really. I mean, the... Uh Actually, our company, uh, we are the so-called the odd entrant to LIP. Our initial target is not a LIP. Mm. Actually, we went through the process of uh, ACE listing, but due to certain uh, problem with our advisors, uh, so we, in fact, we have already got our prospectus ready. But then, uh, because they don't submit uh, or we have some problem, then from the prospectus, we actually downgrade to IAM. Then we go ahead, um, hoping hoping that we will get a certain exemption, you know, by going to LEAP, you know. That's what uh, most of the LEAP companies have this kind of wishful thinking. Wishful thinking, you said. Yeah. Okay. Because you have been quoted as saying that you regret actually listing yes, in yes. the lead market. Yeah. Why, why do you say that? In hindsight, what do you wish you had done differently? One, we wish that, you know, uh, we delay our listing probably for another year. I think uh, probably we have gone to ACE. You know, because now, uh, it took us four years uh, when the listing... Uh, framework came out, I don't think any different from a fresh listing. However, the cost of listing 
for us to migrate to to ACE, I think is very high. If coupled with the, our initial listing, it will be more expensive than a fresh listing. Mm. So, I mean, this is something that uh, actually I do hope, in fact, we were hoping that the, the framework will be out, you know, within, uh, let's say, two or three years after inception that was in 2017, However, it did not materialize. And when it materialized, we were hoping that we get a, some exemption, you know. It's just like when you go and do study, if you do some form six or, you know, pre-U, you get some exemption. There's no exemption at all. <laughs> no credits <laughs> no or something credit. to carry yeah. forward. I'm speaking to Danny Ng, CEO of Fibromat Burhad. When we come back, what are their plans in graduating to the ACE market? Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill. Brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Thanks for staying tuned to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar and with me today is Danny Ng, CEO of Fibromat Burhad, an erosion control solutions company listed on the Leap market. I do want to take a look at um, your business operations during the pandemic uh, because you mentioned that um, the pandemic hadn't really affected your business. Okay, during the pandemic, uh, people are staying at home, Actually, with that kind of uh, so-called hibernation, you know, I call it, you know, people try to slow down. People start to think that what we need to do for the environment. So the people think that they, they, they can do something. So during 2020, 2021 and 2022, in fact, our business was consistent, but uh, being lucky or what, we, we managed to make better profit. In fact, our profit grows every mm. year. Why was that? Even though construction ground to a halt during the pandemic, yeah, nothing was moving for, for some time. Why did your revenue still maintain a certain level? I did notice that it stayed pretty much above the 40 million ringgit mark uh, throughout the pandemic period. What accounted for that? Zana, that's why I say I'm lucky to be in the right business. We are lucky. <laughs> okay. Even though, like, like I say, our business if you see the top line, is consistent. But if my interpretation, our interpretation is that the business grow because the market size of restring and yet we are able to maintain, meaning we have bigger slice of the market. Mm. Okay. So even though we operate nine months during the pandemic, we still achieve our top line and we have a better bottom line. So that proves that our business is sustainable. Mm. I do note though that... Um your business has not yet reached the heights of 2018 when you made 61 million ringgit in uh, top line. Yeah. Do you see a trajectory where you'll reach or surpass that level? Uh, this year, you will see some good news. And uh, we, we are confident that uh, uh, by the end of this year, we were able to achieve more than what we achieved in 2018 and both the top line and bottom line. Okay, so that's a pretty big increase. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's what we are saying, that we are lucky to be in this business. And this is what now, not only Malaysia, the world is talking. Everybody is talking about ESG, everybody talking about sustainability, and everybody needs to do something for to, to mitigate the climate change. Mm. Does this mean, though, the fact that you can use this ESG label, does that mean your products come at a premium to what was previously there, I suppose? How do your products compare to conventional or, or to what was what else is there in the market? Uh, we don't say that we, we, we command a premium, but the, the thing is that the market grow. People are moving towards ESG compliant company. For example, you know, some big companies, 
they they are already in uh, uh, scope one, scope two, or going to scope three. They need uh, the supply chain to be compliant. They need the product, you know, the traceability. Where do you come from? Is that like for example, we are very much into circular economy. Mm. Okay, now are you using recycle or using virgin material? So you know, with that with that kind of uh, objective and a lot of. Uh, uh, customers are looking towards discount coming. That gives us that leverage, you know, that, you know, we become like the the preferred ones. Mm. And when you talk about um, materials, right, where the materials are sourced, how is the trend in terms of the cost of sales? Because while your revenues have been increasing, I did notice that your cost of sales similarly increased. But I don't know, are you seeing pressure on your margins? And, and what is this due to perhaps? Are you seeing rise in material costs? Uh, I know that 47% of your supplies came from overseas back in 2017. I'm wondering what the trend is looking like now. So maybe you can detail a little bit on how that looks like. Okay. In our business model, we have three segments. Okay. Now you look about, uh, we have a design and build segment, we have a trading segment, and we have a manufacturing segment. Okay, over the years, I mean consistently, uh, we are looking at uh, our profit actually generated the most is from uh, design and build. You know, we provide solution. Okay, then next, uh, some might question us: uh, How come our trading, you know, makes such a good profit? But uh, you see, the the it's not like a trading per se. It's just like uh, we outsource. It's our proprietary product that we get outside, you know, outside Malaysia to produce to our requirement, to our specification, where we get our product specified, that's where we gain a certain premium. However, the third segment, manufacturing, by right, that is our core, you know, that we should be making more money. However, if you look at our report, that's the least that we're making. Mm. Why? I think now Malaysian manufacturers are actually are crying, are suffering. <laughs> We have so many issues. We have, uh, you know, uh, you know, cost of uh, labor went up, electricity went up, you know, cost of doing business go up, and this actually uh, increased our cost. So make us less uh, competitive, and also coupled with uh, with the now, even with China, with US war, a lot of countries out of Malaysia have been throwing price. So we need to keep to them to the to to so-called match the price. So our cross went up, but actually our selling price have to come down. Mm. So even with the increased demand yeah. for your products, it's still yeah. not enough to balance out the higher cost that you see in terms of having to produce this locally, essentially. Yes. Can we talk about the expansion then, if you see, where do you see demand coming from? I, I think the bulk of your revenue still come from local projects, local yes. uh, contractors. And so how, how are you looking to expand that? Are you looking to expand overseas more? Will you be sourcing more for overseas customers? Tell me about the strategy that you see moving forward. Okay. Uh, we, we used to, I mean, Malaysia, in fact, Malaysia, uh, we are quite innovative. We are actually, Malaysia, a lot of SMEs are earlier adopters. For example, in geosynthetic and erosion control, if, if you look back at the year 2000, I don't think any manufacturer in China, any manufacturer in, uh, in India, Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, but where are they now? Where are we now? 
In year 2002, I went to China, set up the company in China, teach the China and for the China Railway, and we got our project, our product endorsed, approved, you know. But eventually, you know, we did not get due to other reasons and they they saw this thing coming and they really go with and they are so big. Why? Because I think there's a there's a support. There's a support for local product. They encourage local product. Even the product earlier might not be as good, but they give this SME growth. But what about Malaysia? Mm. Are we helping this company groom them? Because when you talk about this industry, it's very important because even though we are early adopters, but if you compare to Europe, America, they're hundred years company. So when we like, uh, like for example, we when we jump into this green business, what is our problem? Our problem is about testing, certification, acceptance. So now, if we as a SME, because we cannot just talk without data. Okay, where do we approach? Who do we approach as a as a company as an SME? If we go to let's say for example, Serum. Do Serum have these facilities to assist us? No. So what do we do? That's why we come out and we have even our own lab. Our lab is ISO 17025 accredited. So we have to set up our own facilities to be able to at least, you know, rather than going to Singapore, Thailand or Korea to test our product, we test our own lab. Okay. Yeah. So it's a matter of the ecosystem yes. in a way. Yes. It, it's not conducive at least when you started out, yeah. uh, to help grow this green business. Has that changed in the interim years? It's been 20 years since you started. Do you see a, a better environment for businesses such as yourself? Or should the government be putting more emphasis on this? And what kind of policies would you want to see? I think after 20 years, we have really gone through that, uh, the, the tough times. Now is a reward time. Moving forward, I think the government have done something. Uh, we have our uh, my hijau. We the government is now looking at the uh, the green procurement. Okay, I mean if we go into that initiative, a lot of SMEs in the green business will benefit because now what the government is looking for is a low carbon uh, technology business. We are looking at green technology business. Okay, so this is something that you know. Uh, in line with the government aspiration to achieve uh, a net zero by two two zero fifty, I think we need to have more of these kind of companies. Let's take a look at uh, what your future looks like. Um, I'm curious about your plans to graduate to the ACE market, right? This is something that you're eyeing now that the transfer framework has finally be, been uh, officialized. Talk to me about your plans moving forward on this then. What is the timeline like? Ah, uh, the timeline, I, I cannot... Uh, I mean, it depends on the uh, busa. We will we will do what we need to do. Are you already doing yeah. the? Are you we, already we, making we preparations? We have uh, assemble our duty working group. We are looking forward, like maybe in a year or what, you know, to hopefully for this time, you know, if you're lucky enough, you know, we always uh, depend on luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now what we want to go from here? Okay, if you look at the in the this supply chain or where we are in the hierarchy. We always consider probably we are in the maybe uh, fourth level or fifth level, meaning from the 
the customer to the main contractor, main contract to the certain subcontractor or what, you know. So we are at the level four. Sometimes we are level two where we work directly with the developers, you know. If with this kind of uh, able to go to ACE, you know, probably with our profiling, you know, and with the recognition, we are looking to go forward to maybe on a level of two or three. So more direct. Yeah, more direct. Then that will bring up our turnover. Probably, you know, we will be looking at, you know, maybe a range of two, three hundred million per year because we are still very much at SME. You know, we are, you know, doing consistently about 50 million a year. Okay. And if we take a look at um, the outlook for the industry, uh, Danny, the construction sector has been sluggish for the past few years, although there's been pickup in activity this year in terms of the value of projects. I think in Q3, the Department of Statistics reported a 9.6 increase on year in the value of work done mm-hmm. to 33.4 billion ringgit. You indicated that you are seeing this mirrored in your business activity. Your revenues have also increased. What's your projection in terms of contracts that you're aiming for in the coming year or moving forward? I cannot uh, tell exactly. Probably we are looking at, you know, cross 100 million. But uh, what we can tell you is that uh, we just based on the 2024 budget, the the government have allocated 11.8 billion for flood mitigation. Mm. This is very big. Okay. Then there's a 563 million for slope remediation and control. And there's another 200 million for uh, what do you call ecological and biodiversity conservation, which we are very much into this kind of business. Okay, so yeah. from that sign, yeah. there's there's a lot of opportunities uh, for yeah. Fibromat hopefully yes. moving forward. Thank you very much, Danny, thank for you, speaking you, with Sajana. me today. Thank you, thank you. I've been speaking to Danny Ong, CEO of Fibromat Berhad. This has been The Breakfast Grill on BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. Malaysia's number one 5G network. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.